0: Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning, my name's Craig, I'm one of the pastors here at Life, and I wanted to start out today by remembering a day. Um, tomorrow is the anniversary of 9-11, and in that particular day, I'm sure most of you remember the fear and foreboding that we lived through, that this nation was attacked. But I think it's also important to remember the first responders, the police, the fire, the, the medical personnel who responded there, and are still out there today, the soldiers and sailors who protect us. I think sometimes we go through these anniversaries and we just let them go, but we shouldn't. This was a big deal, and we should pray for those who are serving us, and we should also pray for those who are still living with some of this. Some of these firefighters still live with the effects of serving at 9-11. So, if, if you'll remember tomorrow to to pray for them, and, and there's a lot of first responders in our congregation. If you see them today, thank them. Tell them I appreciate what you're doing. Also, I want to mention that uh, right now down in Florida, we have uh, a lot of people who are connected down there, a lot of people who are connected to our families. Uh, Pat Norton, who used to be one of the trustees here at Life, is, is writing out Hurricane Irma right now. And so we pray for them, and, and I also want to thank you Uh, We talked about uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey and trying to help there and uh, uh, one of the most visited uh, uh, places in in the history of our web has been that uh, area which was for people to donate to. So thank you for that. Now today we're going to continue on with our series on hymns. And if you'll remember, we, Steve kicked off the series, and he talked about why we sing, about why we do this. And, and for me, what I came from, from Steve's teaching was that when we worship, that our hearts and our minds need to be set to God, need to be thinking about Him, leaving the distractions of, of the world away from us for a moment. And then Chad came up and he talked about two hymns that had made a big impact on his life. And and he said this, he said, hymns help me say to God what I want to say to Him. And today, we're going to continue on that series, we're going to finish it up today. And there's a hymn that says to God what I want to say to Him. It's a hymn called How Great Thou Art. You might be surprised to know that while this is one of the most popular hymns in America today, it really didn't even appear in the United States until about the mid-1950s. So we're going to talk about that. But I also want to talk about something else. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about his relationship and what he did and how great he was and how he made such a difference. I want to talk about something he said to two blind men. Do you believe that I am able to do this? He engaged their faith. He asked them to respond. And so if you'll bow your heads with me and pray, and we'll move right into turning our focus on Jesus. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, right now I just want to lift up those folks who are in Florida right now. Uh, Those people who are here in this room, who own property down there, protect them. Help them through this. Keep them safe. Uh, Lord, we we thank you for those who donated to relief for Hurricane Harvey and and show us the way to help in the future. And Father, we do remember all those who responded to the, the disaster, the attack of 9 11. Care for them. Help those who are sick. Be with those families who lost people. And Father, make us thankful for you. Most of all, you are great. I want to tell you that. I want you to know how great you are. Nothing greater. And so, Lord, we just pray for the active presence of your Holy Spirit in this room today. And we do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm a prophet or anything like that. But a while back, I had a dream. And in my dream... I had a little plate, and on this plate was a small loaf of bread. And it was what I needed to get into the throne room where God was. And in my dream, I brought this bread in, and, and I could feel the presence of God on the throne. And there were beings all around, and, and colors, and flashes, and I couldn't get low enough. I knew that my sinful nature was so great that I couldn't press myself into the floor any lower because I saw and experienced through my dream the greatness of God. And I believe that the bread was an image of of the bread of life, of Christ himself. And it was the only thing that could bring me into that presence. That dream, in many ways, helps me connect with the song, How Great Thou Art. But I also want to look at what Jesus is doing. Now, in the book of Matthew, in chapter 8 and 9, Jesus is very busy. It's a time when Jesus' ministry is flourishing. There's a lot of things going on. Jesus is confronting religious leaders. He's teaching. He's healing the sick. He's calling people to follow him. And in chapter 9, we see why this is happening. People are responding to Jesus. They're beginning to see that there was no one ever like him before. If you'll turn with me, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew, and we'll begin at verse 27. And as Jesus passed from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David, meaning the Messiah, the promised one. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. He engages their faith. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done for you. Like I said, Jesus is very busy. In just the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew, we see Jesus calling the disciple Matthew, teaching about the kingdom of God, answering questions about fasting, raising a dead girl to life, healing a woman who is suffering from bleeding her entire life, casting out demons, teaching about prayer for ministry, and healing the blind. When Jesus says to the two blind men, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? The this that he's talking about is obviously their blindness. Obviously curing the fact that they cannot see. For these two blind men, he is engaging their faith. He's asking them to respond to him. He's not just doing it. He says, do you really really believe? Do you really have faith? Is there faith in you that's going to cause a response? And I think this question goes to the very heart of who Jesus is. Let's step back to the ver- chapter uh, 8 of the book of Matthew, and we see some more things that Jesus is doing. In verse 14 of chapter 8 of Matthew, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our disease. Can you for a moment think what that would be like? Let's suppose someone today was moving from place to place and healing diseases that were incurable was doing things that were amazing. It would get our attention. We would know that he was someone who was like no one who'd ever been before. So he's able to heal disease, cast out demons, and we see additional powers in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waters. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? that even the winds and sea obey him. There's a word in the English language that sometimes we see referring to Jesus. It's the word authority. Authority is someone who has control over something or someone. When you have someone who's in authority, they have the power to tell someone what to do, and they're supposed to do it. Jesus has demonstrated his power over, his authority over nature by calming the storm, sickness, even death, and also he is showing his power and authority over demons. We're going to see that that goes even further as we drop back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 9. And getting into, the, getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city, and behold, Some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And then Jesus saw their faith. Notice he engages faith again. Said to the paralytic, take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. In other words, he's he's forgiving sins like God does. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say? your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man, Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and glorified God who had given such authority to men. So we see that Jesus has this authority. He has this control over over nature, over sickness, even death, over... He has the authority over demons, and also he's able to forgive, authority to forgive sins that his Father has given him, authority to do that. So what does that mean to us? Today, I know the vast majority of people in this room are believers, and perhaps you walked in here this morning, and you're in a situation of great need. Maybe you lost your husband or wife recently, and you feel lonely, and you're not sure how to move ahead, and you're not even sure how you're going to make ends meet financially, and you ask, will Jesus help me? Maybe you're facing a court date and you know you're not in God's will, that you've been out of God's will, but it just seems so harsh and you can't understand why Jesus won't save you. Or maybe you're going through an injustice and you're not sure whether God's going to use this in a way that'll change everything. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've discovered that You had cancer and you thought it was gone, and now you have a new tumor. And you ask, Why won't Jesus do for me what he did for all those people? Why won't he heal my disease? Whatever your situation, you walked in here today, and part of you isn't sure how it could possibly work out for the good. I'm telling you, God can use any situation, anything that ever happens. And turn it out for the good of his glory and his kingdom. There is nothing outside his power. Maybe you don't believe yet. And you've come in here and you're not even sure why you should do that. But you're on a journey. You're looking for something because you know that as you've gone through your life, you've tried things and it's never made you happy. It's never brought satisfaction. And you want to know, is Jesus able to do that? Is Jesus able to complete me? Maybe. In all your anxiousness and in your fears, maybe Jesus is doing to you what he did to the blind man. Maybe Jesus' response to you is do you believe that I'm able to do this? Maybe Jesus is asking, how great is your faith? How great do you see me? Do you even believe that I could do that? It brings great power to understand what's going on here. So what is faith? What does that look like? You see, faith is not just something in your head. Faith requires a response. That's why Jesus asked these blind men to respond, to do something. I think there's a good illustration of faith when you think about a a medical doctor or a lawyer. I'm sure most of us have gone into a doctor's office, and we look and we see the diplomas and certificates on the wall. What is the purpose of that? The purpose of that is the doctor is saying, listen, you can trust me. I have been given authority to do this. I have been trained. I have the expertise. Or maybe you've gone to an uh, an attorney, and you've gone into the attorney's office, and and you look, and they have a diploma on the wall, or, or they have several law books stacked up to remind us that they have studied and been prepared to do that very thing. But knowing that the doctor has been trained or knowing that the lawyer has been trained is not enough. Faith means you have to react. You have to respond. Let's suppose you're on trial for your life. You've been accused of murder, but you're innocent. You go to your attorney and your attorney says, listen, I've looked at this case and I know how I can how I can get you to be found not guilty. I know you're innocent and I know how to prove it. Or you go to a doctor and and you've got a new tumor and you go to the doctor and, and he says or she says listen, I know how to fix this. I've done thousands of cases where I've removed this tumor and people are doing great. You have to trust them, don't you? You don't then after seeing the doctor go home and take out the Ginsu knife and start chopping away at yourself. You trust them to do the surgery. You give up your control. That's what faith does. Faith requires response. The same is true of our faith in Christ. Whether you are on a spiritual journey today or a lifelong believer in Jesus, Christ always asks, do you recognize who I am? Do you recognize how great I am? Do you bow before my authority? It's like saying to the doctor, fight for me, I trust you. Or to the, or, uh, to the attorney, fight for me, I trust you. Or to the, to the doctor, do my surgery, make me well, take care of me that's what faith is it's giving up the control yourself and allowing giving in to christ bowing before him the reason i picked this hymn how great thou art is because in my heart it says to me this is what i want to tell god this is what i want to engage with god i want him to see my faith and I can do it by singing this to him now the story of how great thou art remember I said that this was barely known uh, it didn't really come to the United States prior to the 1950s this hymn how great thou art was written by a Swedish man named Carl Boberg and Carl Boberg was walking through uh, a meadow one day and he was experiencing a thunderstorm in the distance and it came to him, the wonders of God, the power of God, the greatness of God. And he saw and heard the thunder and he said, I'm going to write this down because this expresses my words to God. The song went from Sweden, then to Germany, and then it traveled to the Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, or in Russia, The Russian was eventually translated to English by a missionary from England named Stuart Hines. And Stuart Hines came to Russia as a missionary and he discovered this song. He translated it into English and brought it back to England. It was written in the late late 1800s. But yet, it had not gone very far, even in the English version. That's why if you look at older hymns, you don't find it. The story of how it came to America is kind of interesting. It came as a result of a Billy Graham crusade. Now, some of you are too young to remember Billy Graham crusades, but some of you are. You remember them. And there was always this man who sang at every crusade with this deep voice. His name was John Beverly Shea. And while traveling through England during a, a crusade, he was given this song. I'm gonna show you a little video clip where he talks about how this happened.
1: In 1954, at the very end of our three months in London, Herringay, yeah. Yeah. on Oxford Street one day in the afternoon, I met uh, George Gray. He said, uh, Shay, he said, I, I wanted to give you something tonight, but here you are. He handed me How Great Thou Art, a table size Russian and the English. And he said, this is very special. I'm going to give Cliff his copy tonight. Yeah. And Cliff and I got together, and we realized it was something wonderful, with the solos and the choir. Yeah. And uh, I was singing along and uh, rehearsing it even there, and I went... Um, <clears throat> Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the works, I said, Oh, I want to sing worlds. Okay, worlds, I hands of me. I see the stars, I hear the mighty. Oh, I want to sing rolling thunder. <laughs> you know, we had to get in touch with Mr. Hine, who was the translator, to change that. He said, Well, all right. Fine. So I get the biggest bang that Elvis Presley sang two of my words. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what a hymn. And then we came back, of course, and we did that, first of all, in the Toronto Crusade the next year, yeah. but really caught on in 57 in mm. Madison Square Garden. And we did it every night. You sang it every night. Every night.
2: And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin.
0: the end you saw George Shea singing. He's 103 years old in that video. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that he's still able to sing the praises to God at 103? Since then he has passed away and I'm sure he's in heaven and maybe he's singing that song. Let's look at the song just a moment. Oh Lord my God, it's written in kind of a King James language. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, the power throughout the universe displayed. He talks about the the universe, and God is the creator. It's telling God, I see. Through, through the universe, I see you created it all. And then it goes on to say a, a, a second verse, which was actually added in, uh, when it was translated into English. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Again, seeing God as the creator in nature. And then it goes in to talk about Jesus. God's a creator. He's made everything. And then it talks about Jesus. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. To take away my sin. Again, in this beautiful verse, he's talking about God created everything and we know we rebelled. And then Jesus goes to the cross and accepts on the cross the sin that had to be made right. That we can't make ourselves right. That it took Christ, as in my dream, in order to enter into that throne room, I needed this thing that represented Jesus, I needed to understand that I couldn't go in there on my own. I had to have that little bread to represent Jesus to get there. And then the last verse. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God, how great thou art. We're gonna sing that together. But first, I wanna to talk to you about your God. Jesus asked the blind men to respond Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe your God is great? Do you believe that he can overcome come, any situation, anything, no matter what? That's the question. How, God, how great is God in your life? When Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He's trying to get us to respond. And is he great enough that you'll bow before him? Is he great enough that you'll humble yourself and give up the control? You come in here and we come in here with so many distractions every every Sunday. So many things in our lives that keep our minds from focusing on God. And when we worship, We think about all those things around us. We need to think about Him. We need to give Him praise and acclamation. Maybe you came in here today and you need a job. You you need an apartment. You need a companion in life. You need money or, or you need cured of your disease. But if you're on a spiritual journey and you came here today, No matter what these things are in your life, the greatest need in your life today is the need to know to bow before Jesus, to engage your faith and to respond to him. You need to be right with God. It is the need that is greatest in your life, the need to know that your sins are forgiven, the need to know that if you drop dead tomorrow, You will be with him in glory. That's your greatest need. And you say, well, I'm not not convinced yet. Well, listen, there's no gray in this. There's no middle road to walk in this. Either Jesus did what the Bible said or he didn't. Either the Gospels show his authority over nature, over disease, over death, over demons, and over sin, or they don't. There's no middle road for you to walk. He either healed the sick or he didn't. He either calmed the storm or he did not. He either cast out demons or he can't. He either can save you from your sin or he cannot. There's no middle road. He's either great or he is not. You will either die tomorrow or you will not. The Bible is the evidence. Just like the diplomas on the wall of a physician or an attorney. The Bible is the evidence, the proof that Jesus was amazing, that he was the son of God, and that he died for a sin. If even one thing that we've talked about today in the book of Matthew is true, just one time Jesus raised someone from the dead, one time Jesus cured an incurable disease, then you have to admit he was amazing. You have to admit that there's something there. And Jesus asks us to respond to him. He asks us to engage our faith. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, if you've never bowed before him and said, you're the Lord, you're a command of my life, I surrender it to you, you need to do that. You need to say that. You might say, well, not good enough yet i need to work on being a better person listen that's not it jesus doesn't say do you believe that you can do this he says do you believe that i can do this it's him that doesn't it's him that brings the forgiveness of sin it's him that's the the forgiving means that brings you to the lord it's him that allows us to enter into the throne room And it's instantaneous salvation you don't need to clean yourself up you just need to give up let's suppose though today you say i'm a believer I've, i've believed in jesus for a long time craig i know that he died for my sins but you came in here and you're carrying a burden something in your life maybe it's a sin maybe it's a sin that you just can't escape that it just keeps coming back and you said, I've prayed, I've read my Bible, I've asked for help, but there are times where I catch myself doing it again. I ask you, how great is your God? How great is God in your life? Is He great enough to have all of your life? Is He great enough to have everything in your life? To trust Him with taking that as well? Maybe, maybe, As we close and sing, you understand that He is so great that He can overcome any situation, any fear that God is working here on earth right now. That He can take what seems to be the most hopeless situation and He can turn it into the greatest increase in His kingdom that we will ever know. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing how great thou art. I want you to think about the words. I want you to say them to him. Say them to God. And I also want you to do this. Listen, if if you're really in a bad place right now and you need help, you need somebody to pray with you, you can come down here and, and there are people who are loving people who will respect you and will pray with you. If you've never bowed before him, if, if you've never said, you are great and you control my life, and come down there and we can walk, come down here and we can walk you through it. You say, I don't want to stand up in front of everybody. Jesus did a lot of things publicly. When he talks to the blind men, he's doing that publicly. When he says to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He does this publicly. You can also go out those back doors and You can turn to your right and there's people in a prayer room who will will be there for you. This song says to God what I think we as a church and we as a people need to say to Him that He is the greatest. That there is nothing beyond His control. I think we all need to bow before him. I think we all need to trust him with our this, whatever that may be, because he's good and he can get us through anything. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you are great. You're so good. In the midst of anxiousness and fears and hopelessness, you're there. You're there. And if you're asking someone in this room, do you believe that I'm able to do this? If you're trying to engage that faith, get that response. Lord, I pray that their hearts will be opened, that they will be filled with love for you and this courage to surrender it all. Lord, I thank you for this song because it says to you what I so deeply in my heart want to say to you. You are great. I thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name,